Welcome to the Church Intention Podcast, powered by the King's University and Gateway Church. This is a place to have healthy conversations about areas of tension in the church and the intentions of the church. To dive deeper into the conversation and for more content, visit churchintention.com. Now let's join the King's University President, Dr. John Chastain, for this episode of Church Intention. Well, hey, welcome back to the Church Intention Podcast. Uh, thank you for tuning in today. Thanks for taking some time out of your day uh, to join us. If Before we get jumped in here today, I would ask you to do us a favor. Uh, if you enjoy this podcast, uh, give us five stars, give us a comment, um, take a snapshot of this podcast, put it on social media, help us spread the word um, as we are out to encourage pastors and leaders uh, and lay people in the body of Christ to talk about the church, the church intention, the intentions of the church and the tension points within the church. And today, I um, i know I'll probably say this every episode, but today I'm probably a little more giddy than uh, most in our guest because the guest that we have on today, uh, his books have really impacted my life personally. Uh, Leif Hetland is our guest today. He's the founder and president of Global Mission Awareness. Uh, he is doing an incredible work, and I want him to share some of it with you um, in the Muslim world and some of the things that God's leading him to do. But the particular topic we're going to talk about is one that um, I say this, uh, it might sound like I'm being um, a little hyperbole, but I'm really not. It's probably one of the most impactful topics uh, that I have studied for my personal life in years, uh, the way it's shaped me to think, uh, to lead, um, to, to act in my behavior, everything. It's, it's really been revolutionary. So I, I need to shut up and introduce this guy. He's wrote so many books. He's wrote uh, Healing the Orphan Spirit. He's wrote a book called Called to Reign, which is an amazing book. He's wrote a book called Baptism of Love. Leif, welcome to the program, man. Thank you so much for being on with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. What an honor. I am excited. <laughs> so we were talking a minute ago, and you know this podcast is sponsored um, by the King's University here, where I, where I serve as president and the King Seminary, and we're tied to Gateway Church. But as we begin to talk, Leif, you told a story that was so awesome. I want you to to share that with our listeners real quick about one of your first experiences in America. Yeah, I am from the country of Norway. Even my name and my accent is pretty much say that my name is Leif Hetland. And in 1985, I came to America, and the first place I landed was Los Angeles. And I was, we were right in San Fernando Valley, right off the Pulvera Boulevard. And I was like, I need a church. Wow. Where is there a church? And then somebody mentioned there's a church down on Sherman Way. It's almost just walking distance, and I didn't even have a car. And so I headed to church, and the first church service <laughs> actually was very interesting. I came to Sherman Way or to, uh, uh, and, and Jack Hayford was there. Mm. And wow. it just, it had such an impact on my life. Well, I started crying even talking about the worship. Wow. When I walked in there and worship started, it was almost like experiencing heaven on earth. Mm. And that was my first introduction to America, the church <sighs> church service and <laughs> later on i found out well dr jack hayford he is a very well-known recognized leader wow. so that was in 1985 long long time ago and i'm still smiling wow that is that is so special to me especially 
you know, the, you know, the divine encounter of coming across your book, studying it, imp- impacting my life, and then full circle moment, you know, where the story of you mentioning Jack Hayford. So that's, that's so special. Uh, let me just kind of briefly share my experience and how I stumbled upon this topic. And then I really want to just let you loose and, and start hearing your heart. So about, um, I would say five or six months ago, I was at a leadership event and, uh, the speaker was talking about leadership and he just mentioned this word and he said, he was saying something along the lines of, you know, we, we should, you know, not behave or lead like orphans. And he used mm-hmm. the word orphan leader. And he went on to talk about something else. I, I honestly, I don't even remember what he talked about because I was locked in because it was just a word that I was, I'd never really thought through or processed through. So it, it, it began a deep dive for me in studying this topic. And I stumbled across uh, your books, uh, Leif, and read the two books I've read is Healing the Orphan Spirit and Call to Rain. And wow. they impacted my life greatly. And so much so that I began to teach on it to my staff um, at the church and some of the leadership staff at the university. Ended up doing a sermon series on it that I'm in the middle of doing right now. And I really, I want to read a, a passage of scripture, then I'm just going to turn you loose. Um, one of the very first verses I read when I began to study this was a verse we're familiar with when Jesus is telling his disciples that the Holy Spirit, it's better that I go. I'm going to send an advocate. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14, verse 15. And so he says all these things. And then in verse 18 was a verse that I had never really paid attention to when Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. And I don't think it's an accident that Jesus used this word. I think um, he knew that we would be tempted to behave as orphans. And so, you know, just Leif, share your heart. Where did this begin in you? Where did this study begin? I know it's a it's a life message for you. And what does it mean to you? Yeah, first, I, I have to take it back where when I was young, uh, some pain happened. I was maybe about 12 years old. And uh, there was an abuse that took place. And as a result of that, uh, fear, shame, guilt hit that young little one. And I ended up as a prodigal son. Mm. So the next five years, I mean, I went so far, came from a good family, godly family, spirit-filled, more than an AG, a of God family yep. in Norway, which is very unusual mm. because it's mainly a Lutheran background. But I ended up in the pig pen at the age of 18, suicidal and just addicted to drugs, messed up. Mm. Eventually met Jesus. I got gloriously saved, healed, delivered. I say, that's the good news. I say, the bad news is I went to church. And I said <laughs> that in a jokingly manner, not because, because I do love the church. Yeah. But pretty much what happened for me, I went from rebellion to religion. And mm. I became a prodigal brother because after everything Jesus has done for me, I'm going to serve him. I'm going to live for him. I'm, I'm going to die for him. I'm, I'm going to take up that cross and follow him. Mm. And I left my country, Norway, first in 84. And then later on, I came to the States in 85. But I didn't realize that I was still an orphan on the inside. Mm. I knew Jesus. And later on, we, I went back and I pastored a Baptist church. I had mm. gone to college, seminary. But all of that with an orphan spirit. Mm. So the whole root system in me is that I have to do something to have something. Then I become something. Mm. Welcome to the orphan world. And so, but it didn't matter how much I did. The more you have, the more you became. But it was always a black hole in my soul. I never did enough. So I'm out there 
serving God, doing things for God. And God that I served at a time seems to be a little bipolar in nature. Mm. And it was all up to me to please him. When I did the right thing, he kind of turned towards me. He was smiling. But when I didn't live up to the expectation, wow, he was a holy God. He couldn't handle my message. He would turn his back towards me. And what happened is I had a view of God that did not look like Jesus. Mm. So in June 6, 1995, I'm one of the two that Dr. Randy Clark, that some of them maybe will know. But Heidi Baker and Leif Hetland is the two stories that Randy always talks about. And he's very, very close to me. And I have the honor of being part of his apostolic council and board. But anyway, he prayed for this Baptist pastor and he prophesied that I was going to be a bulldozer going into the darkest places in the world when the gospel had never been before. Mm. And I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and baptized in fire, June 6, 1995. Mm. I came up from that place with the gifts of the Spirit and God started to show up in my little Baptist church. And later that year, I ended up in Pakistan and I started to go to the nations. The next five years, what I didn't realize, I'm just an orphan with power, with dynamite, mm. and you blow up things. Wow. And you will blow up your marriage, you will blow up your gym, you will blow up things, because again, the root issue, I still was operating with an orphan heart. I was still not having a home. I had a nice house, I had a nice ministry, but I didn't have a place of security. Mm. I didn't have that place of love and value and purpose that you get when you have a father. So for me, that whole journey went all the way to year two. I had seen a half a million people saved, 300,000 people healed, been to 54 nations, an orphan, mm. with an orphan spirit. I'd had a broken neck, broken back, body cap. I'd gone through so much, but as an orphan, you have to do, you have to have, and then you become. Mm. But then you realize, when I don't do enough, my wife don't do enough, my kids don't do enough, the church don't do enough, and people, they have to do. They have to perform, because that's welcome to the orphan world. And then I had a bad system of love experience in year 2000. Wow. It transformed this Norwegian Viking, this bulldozer. I knew the lion, but I didn't know the lamb of Jesus. And the liquid love of Papa came in. And I was with a man named Jack Taylor, who just passed away, who was my spiritual father. Mm. And we talked together every day for 21 years. He was 87 years old when he went to heaven on April 25th of this year. But but he had a little son's meeting. And in that son's meeting, a man named Dennis Jernigan was playing the piano. Mm-hmm. And I was invited to be part of that. And then he says, Leif, I have a song for you. So there was about 100 leaders in the room. And I stood there, broken body, broken pain. Eventually, I was not able to do anything. Mm-hmm. And I, Imagine when your value system is that you have to do, you have to do, you have to become, and then you often compete with one another while sons and daughters compete one another. Mm. So it's very painful even to be in a setting when you're hearing about other people's successes and you're not able to love, live up to it. Instead of then, if you mm. were a son, you would see when that person's stock goes up, my stock goes up because wow. it is a family business. But I didn't know that. But that day when Dennis says, I have a song for you, and he started to play a song from Papa God, a father's song, and the liquid love came over me. Mm. And the liquid love took me back to when I was in my mother's womb, and she had a surgery, and she had fear. It took me to the 12-year-old boy, and it was like a movie. I laid on that floor, and I was not one that showed emotion. We are Norwegian, cold weather, we are stoic. (laughs) But now I am there weeping and weeping mm. as this liquid love. It wouldn't stop. It just came over me and over me. And I laid on that floor weeping and weeping and weeping in front of everyone. And then there was an audible voice from heaven that says, Leif, Leif, you are mine. And you're my beloved. You're my beloved 
son, 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 I love you. I love you. And I am well pleased with you. And I know he quoted Matthew 3, 17, but for me, it was an encounter. Whoa, I'm a son, not an apostle, not because I had a lot of shit, including an apostleship, leadership, stewardship, friendship, many ships. But all the ships got shipwrecked. And the only one that survived was sonship. Mm. And something happened when I came up from that floor. I'm a son with a dove. I'm an anointed son. That's who I am. I don't have to do to have to become. I already am. And because of who I am, I already have. And because of what I have, I get to do. So it's not what you do that makes you who you are. It is who you are that makes you do what you do. And that started my journey towards I became a son of Papa God. I woke up in the morning with an A plus before I take the exam. <laughs> and I didn't have to live on pressure any longer, but the Father's pleasure. And I learned how to be a receiver instead of just an achiever. Wow. And this whole journey, that's when it started 21 years ago. And I've been on a journey, as I'm saying, with learning to go from, I mean, because now and then, some of that orphan tendency come in. Yes. It's us against them from the political climate and that is taking place or how I see finances or that orphan tendency now and then creeps up and then I just had to go back to the main thing to be the main thing what was the special sauce in the life yeah. of Jesus because who Jesus is to us is also who he will be through us and I realized when Simon Peter got a father revelation of Jesus and he looked at Jesus as just, you are the Christ. That means you are the anointed. Mm. You are the son, son, son. You are an anointed son. You are an anointed son. And upon this identity, I will build my church mm. that the gates of hell will not prevail again. The church is built up in anointed sons and daughters and the resting place in that. Now I'm learning the hard work of rest. Mm. And that's my weapon to wear the enemy out. Anyway, that's the beginning of my journey. That's it's been so 21 good. years. And, wow. So somebody needs to rewind that right now and just listen to it again because it's like a, a, a fire hydrant of, of information. And I think it's such a healing word. I know for me, Leif, I am just now, this week, uh, when we're recording this, it's around the 1st of August. I've been on a six-week sabbatical, and I just got back Monday. And so one of your books... I, I read through my sabbatical. I was already studying the topic, and I was, I was on. I'm gonna tell you this quick story. I was on this um, little vacation getaway, and we were at a resort, and I could go up to the roof to study in the mornings. And I was reading part of your book, and in part of your book, you talk about this moment when Jesus is is baptized, and his heavenly Father says, "This is my Son, in whom I'm well pleased." Before he ever accomplished anything, before he healed anyone, before he performed any miracles, before he sermon, before any sermon he ever spoke, the son was pleased before he ever did anything. And in in your book, you mentioned this idea because it says the Holy Spirit descended like a dove and rested on Jesus. And I kid you not, Leif, I'm reading this portion of your book, and I look over to my right, and there's a dove ten feet from me. <laughs> And, and the Holy Spirit said to me in this moment, he said, he said, John, doves don't land on, mm. on branches that are wavy. Doves don't land on things that aren't restful. And the Holy Spirit descends like a dove, but the dove or the Holy Spirit will only rest upon things that are, are, are at rest. And mm. I think, <clears throat> I don't think I know that 
us coming to this understanding that we are no longer orphans, that we don't have to behave like orphans. We are sons and we are daughters before we accomplish anything, before we do anything. That is where we find rest because I can find rest leading a church. I can find rest leading a university. I can find rest even in seasons of my life where my schedule seems busy, but inside I'm at rest as a son. I don't have to perform. I don't have to achieve. I don't have to prove to anyone anything that I'm just a son. And it was such an impactful moment for me. And I think it's so important for pastors specifically, Leif, being in the ministry, you understand the pressures of pastoring. You understand the turmoil and the loneliness and and many times even the depression that pastors walk through. That's why I wanted you to come on today and and talk to people in ministry specifically about this topic and why it's so important. Yeah, and I think also, uh, Joe, John, excuse me, that uh, the church, first we live in an orphan world. Yeah. The most of the churches, like I had a friend of mine that read my book, but also I minister to his leadership because yeah. he had also an encounter where he realized, he says, like I build an orphanage of 3000 orphans mm. and all of them are coming to see what they can get mm. instead of being sons. They can see what they can get. I built a mega church. He wow. said that became an orphanage full of orphans and the value system was what I needed to do for them. And if I didn't live up to the expectation and it was pretty much burning me up mm. and, but we are now shifting into becoming a family, a healthy kingdom family. And he said, can you help us to do that? And because again, he changed. Revival hit him, then it hit his family. And he went to repent to his wife Mm. and then to his children and then eventually to the staff. And now it's starting a ripple effect that is even subtly bringing rest into the rest of the people. And it's just in a starts with the leader. It starts with a leader, yeah. And I believe that I talked to a couple of people. One, I just saw one of the big five out of Fort Lauderdale, they said, and I'm sure that some of the audience, like the Bob Mumford, the Derek Prince. And, mm-hmm. But I talked to Bob Mumford one time because I, I realized they were tapping into something. And I know it ended up in the views, the shepherding movement. But he said something that captured me. I said, Bob, how was this with all these fathers? And, and somehow it seems like it was orphans that started coming in again. And mm. he says, Late, we were all fathers, but we were not sons. Mm. And I never forgot that mm. statement. And I realized that some of us, and for me, this is my concern, is when my identity, that any yes. of the shifts in our life, including being a father, pastor, all of that is pressure, yeah. unless sonship goes before. Mm. And the sonship moves into mature sonship that becomes friendship. Where he says, I no longer call you servant. Not servant, I call you my friend. And that's the co-laboring mm. with him. But there is something that takes place in leaders. And that's what, like for me, I got burned out and crash landed, mainly because I was juggling the different hats in different settings. Yeah. But now that the hat that is on me, I'm a son. That's I'm a so beloved good. son. And my papa loves me. Out of that, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a minister and all those other things. But my identity is not being an author or all these other things. As long as my sonship, that was the secret of the life of Jesus. And when I realized when Simon got that, he became Peter. Mm. And he became unshakable. And upon this rock, upon this identity, Jesus starts to build something. The gates of hell cannot prevail against. So I believe that this is what we have seen now, a big shift and change. Because the orphanages that we 
sometimes called churches. I'm yeah. not putting anything down on the church. Sure. I just believe that the Father wants his family back. Amen. And that's what that John 14, 18 is about. Yes. Jesus only said what he heard the Father say. Mm. It's actually the Father saying, I will not leave you as orphans. Mm. I will come to you. I, 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 I didn't just send Jesus to save you from something, but save you to something. Wow. And that's why I think that half of the gospel is what we're being saved from. Instead of, we stop there. Jesus is the way. Way to where? He's the truth. Truth about what? He said, if you see me, you have seen what? The whole purpose of Jesus is to bring us home. And then from that place, living a life like we have a home. And we have an identity. And out of that identity, there is intimacy. Out of the intimacy, we're living from inheritance, not towards it. Mm. And then we can step into our calling and our destiny. And that's a different way of living and loving. That's so good. Uh, I mean, I'm going to listen to this again myself <laughs> later. Uh, one of the things I want you to share, I know you'll you'll know where I'm going with this. You mentioned this in your book, but you go all the way back. You talk about creation and, and Adam, and I want you to, you can walk through that as well with, with Adam, especially the part, you know, about they were, they were, you know, created on the sixth day. The very first day was rest. But even going further back, you talk about the devil and kind of the, the, origin or the genesis of this orphan spirit. You want to go into that a little bit? Sure. I think that one of the things, uh, I, I mentioned the baptism of love experience, and I think there's also a 2.0. And one is there taken from Ephesians 1, 4, and 5, where it says, even before the foundation of the world, mm-hmm. I knew you, and I predestined you in love. So, wow, even before there was anything, before creation, if we took people back to the eternal covenant so in the beginning god so everything begins with god and it ends with god but the word god there is elohim in the beginning there is a father there's a son and there's a holy spirit Mm. if you ask who's the most important (laughs) the father points to the son son points to the spirit spirit points to the son son points to the father Mm. they are totally one Mm. the father loves the son the son loves the spirit spirit loves the son son loves the father they are totally one but here's the key. The father loved the son, but the son loved the son the way the father loves the son. That's covenant at one man. They're totally one with one another. And this is what the culture of honor, because honor is what love looks like. And we see this dance of the Trinity from eternity past to eternity future. But anyway, I'm not going to complicate this. this is, I have a whole chapter of this That's in the book. Good. But Lucifer, who was a worship leader, or he was an archangel, Isaiah 14. And it's Ezekiel 28. As I said, I have a whole chapter in the book to break this yeah. down. But it's twisted in a simple way. The root of that orphan spirit, the father, because this is the perfect place with a perfect God, where there's a perfect love. But Lucifer did not love Lucifer the way the father loves Lucifer. And you can read that very subtly. It was a truth deficiency that mm. led to love deficiency that became a blessing deficiency. Mm. So this, I want to be like the most, I, these five eyes, statement. Why are you God? And I'm just a worship leader. Mm. Why is he a senior pastor? I'm a youth pastor. Wow. Why? I mean, that root started there with That's Lucifer so that led to the fall of one third fallen angel that are orphans. They don't have a home mm. any longer. So that's where the orphan spirit of, and, and it's much more in the book, but Lucifer yep. in his rebellion, there was a truth deficiency. Is mm. God really good? And am I really good or not? 
if I do something, I have something, I become something. Mm. God is actually withholding something from me. If I get what he has, I'm going to feel better about myself. You can read that subtlety all to Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, and you can see the fall of Lucifer. And the biggest assignment for Lucifer, because he is an orphan, and he wants the world to be an orphanage. Mm. If he can just get the levers to eventually operate with an orphan heart, so the orphan spirit can come, then he has done his assignment. Mm. He's not so worried if we just get saved and one day he's going to get to heaven. But he's very concerned is when we start to show how good Papa God is and yes. how loved people are because we've gotten our identity as beloved sons and daughters that reflect his glory, his goodness, his holiness, his splendor, every aspect of who our father is in the fatherless world. Mm. So in the garden then, when Lucifer comes in, I mean, after six days of creation, God goes into the highlight of his creation. And he goes in, and we know the story, he breathes into dust and Adam. I believe the first thing Adam ever says is, the Hebrew word, father, papa. Mm. The first face he sees is the face of a loving father. Mm. What is the first feeling? It's the perfect love of his father. He's placed in the presence of his father, and he is abiding in Eden. That means the delight or pleasure of his father. Mm. Then God makes him sleep because when we are resting, God is working. Wow. And there's another scripture where it says, God brought Eve to Adam. So which face did she see? Which voice did she hear? Which love did she feel? What presence did she experience? And what did she abide in? The pleasure of God. That's when you see the first marriage. Then God brought them together, not to do, but to be. Mm. Be fruitful. And what you become, you can multiply. And what you can multiply, you do get authority and dominion. And then when Lucifer comes in, the same pattern, and that is he goes to Eve and we know the whole story is, and hey, listen, is God really good? And are you really good enough? That's the subtlety behind the lie of the orphan spirit. If mm. you eat from this, you're going to be like him. You can be. They yeah. are already made in his image. Wow. You already have an A+. plus. Why <laughs> would wow. you actually try to do something? to be something, to become something. Wow. That's the love. Would you like to be like Jesus? Well, you have to. And then we start to live. Welcome to the orphan world wow. with the orphan spirit. And that's how we have now presented a message worldwide that has created 7.8 billion people. Mm. And even within the church, it's about 93% based of the most survey. We operated more from an orphan heart mm. than sonship and daughtership that becomes fathers and mothers. And eventually it's going to stop the curse that is in the land. And that curse is the last word of the Old Testament where God wants to restore his family. And that's what Jesus came to restore back again, mm. the family that was in heaven and to be able to see that on earth. Well, we honor, we love, and that's the prayer there in John 17. And that's how the world has come to see who we are because we have known how to love that way. The way the father loves the son, but also the son loves the father. Mm. That love is going to be in us and then him and us. It's such a foundational truth. I think so many times we try to be fathers or mothers or leaders or pastors or business owners or you know, even just, just Christians without the foundational truth of leading from sonship. I think you're spot on. The, the, I think we've focused on the wrong ship, and yeah. we, we, we've gotten good at stewardship and leadership and fellowship and friendship, but if you do all of those things without sonship, uh, they will not end well. Mm-hmm. Let's get into some, some maybe some, some details as a leader for the leaders that are listening out there. 
what are some ways, I tell you what, I, what studying this topic for me, Leif, what it's done for me is it's almost tuned me into the frequency and it's almost like the Lord has revealed the enemy's playbook to me, mm. uh, both for my own heart, but also I can see I've gotten to where my radar is so sensitive to this that I can recognize an orphan heart when I speak to somebody on the phone or when I meet somebody in a grocery store, like I can pick up on it so quickly. And so what are some of those, I don't know what we would call them triggers or identifiers for a leader. Let's say a leader has a staff. What are some, some examples of an orphan heart and what that might manifest like so that a leader um, knows how to identify it? And then secondly, how does a leader confront the orphan spirit in someone else? Yeah, I think first of all, it starts with me as a leader and to make sure, how do I see God? And how does God actually see me? And how do I see the world? And how do I see the future? I call it up, in, out, forward. Because if I have a view of God, that's what I had, uh, that does not look like Jesus. While Jesus is perfect theology, and he said, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. So Jesus came to reflect us a God that looks like himself. Because if I'm looking at God and God is authoritative, then I will lead from an authoritative position, including in my home. And then you have to do and have. If God is more a critical God that is looking at my mistakes, then my view of God is reflected how I see myself. And how I see me is actually how I see you. I don't see the world the way it is. I see the world the way I am. I don't see me. I don't have 20-20 vision when I look in the mirror unless I have a proper view of God Mm. that looks like Jesus. So for me, that is the starting point. How do I actually see God? Do I see a God that looks like Jesus? I would make a line there where I'm just saying, okay, let's look at Jesus. Mm. So a lot of people, 25% of the believer has an authoritative of leaders. About 28% have a critical God, or they maybe have a distant God or a conditional. When you are aware of those things, I suddenly repent, first of all, meaning I change the way I think. So I get a proper view of God. Then I can look in the mirror. How does God see me? How does he see me? Does he see me as a son? Does he see me? And then how do do I certainly see me the way he sees me, love me the way that he loves me, say about me what he says? And then I can start to look out through staff and leadership. So the first part of the leaders, if you are lead pastor or in any leadership position, it's first looking up, get the proper view of God mm-hmm. and be honest. Because when I have a view of God that does not look like Jesus, I'm putting a question mark. And I wrote down some of those things. And I was kind of a little scared when I recognized <laughs> that sometimes earthly fathers, spiritual fathers, some of the systems, since we live in an orphan world. So mm-hmm. here would be one of the practical lies that I, I mean, two lies that I've struggled with. And I'm still, sometimes it comes about. Mm-hmm. Luke 15, I think, is a very beautiful picture. And this yeah. is about the father that yeah. had two sons, yeah. not sinners. One is rebellious and one is religious. And my view is that when I did something wrong or didn't live up to the expectation, God turned away from me because he was a holy God and he mm-hmm. couldn't handle sin. And suddenly what I realized, just that one there, the way I saw that, then it was up to me to have to do something, to have something to become. So I believe God turned away from me. But what I didn't realize, I am actually the one turning away from him Hmm. when I sin. Because I suddenly got a God that looked like Jesus. Hmm. 
And I realized that what a holiness is, is instead of then repent and turn back to him and get back into intimacy and yeah. love and connection. Yeah. Now I'm spending a week in shame, fear, and guilt. <laughs> instead of automatically when that is happening now, I repent when I have that view because it's the author. Mm. It's not the son. That's and right. I realized that the father is looking, the father is full of compassion, the father is running, the father, as I'm saying, he is embracing and kissing. That's at your worst moment. That's before repentance, because it was the goodness and the kindness that leads to repentance. That's just a picture of Luke 15 of the prodigal God, a loving father mm. with two of his sons. Mm. So that's one of the elements I would encourage leaders. How do you see God? And second about how does God see you? And yeah. the big root problem or the lie that I've struggled with, I, at my baptism of love, I was so changed by how much he loved me. And I loved even the darkest places in the world. And the people that know my story, I was going into the Middle East to the darkest places. I loved the worst terrorists and have wow. seen some amazing, over a million names added to the Lamb's Book of Life mm. in the darkest places in the world. I love, mm. well, where Father loved me. But here's where my, I did not love me the way that he loved me. Mm. And that was the dark place in my soul. So I would say to any leaders, before we start to bring transformation in regard to leadership culture, that's just, again, the alignment in our life before we start the assignment. And that is, do you love you mm. the way that Jesus loves you? And only oh. John captured it wow. in the New Testament. That's so good. That's so good. I know for me, it was uh, um, I, one of the things you said in your book that I really like is you said that the orphan spirit cannot be cast out. It must be replaced. And yeah. I think sometimes we, uh, sometimes I'll, use, I'll say the word orphan heart versus orphan spirit. And for the only reason being is because sometimes I think when we use the term spirit, whether it's a, you know, Jezebel spirit or whatever spirit we want to identify, sometimes it can kind of let me off the hook that yeah. I just need somebody to lay hands on me and pray for me and get this spirit off of me. But really for me, it became something that I began to, to, as, as I studied this, I would identify the orphan spirit at work in my heart numerous times a day. Like the Holy spirit yeah. would prompt me and say, <laughs> no, my son doesn't think like that. Orphans think like that. You know, if I if I have a fear of failure, or if I'm comparing myself to someone else, to someone else, or another pastor, or another church, or another leader, or what you know, what why wasn't my name mentioned? I was a part of that project too. Why didn't he mention my name from stage? All mm -hmm. uh, they're all small, small things that the Lord would just prompt me to say, no, that's that's the way an orphan thinks. And you're right. I couldn't cast that thing out. It's it's like Paul saying, "I, I got to take it captive and make it obedient to Christ." So I would have to capture it and replace it. And the only thing to replace it with is what you were referring to as that baptism of love—that God yeah. loves me so much. Yeah, and and you're totally right. Actually, I should have called the book "Healing the Orphan Heart." Uh, we did on purpose the spirit, but it is a big difference. Uh, in regard to because it is the orphan heart mm -hmm. you you need to give the orphan a home and the spirit of adoption needs to be connected yes. and the baptism of love because the biggest root of that of sonship is love mm -hmm. and the deepest root if you go all the way back to the root it is fear so anything that is fear based is connected to the orphan spirit mm -hmm. and often the twins that go along with that is shame 
And what shame will always tell you who you are not. The father will always tell you who you are. Mm. And then guilt. Those are the three often that, that goes along with that orphan heart. I know that when the enemy, oh, I shame people. Mm-hmm. Meaning that, because again, if that's what I see in the mirror, then it, it does get reflected. My view of him is reflected how I see people. So with sonship, I don't see people the way they are, but the way they're going to be. Mm. With sonship, I don't treat people based upon their history, but their destiny. That's so with good. sonship, I don't see Islam as a problem, but as a promise. Mm. And it's a whole different way of living and loving when I certainly have his eyes. When I see the terrorist Saul, I can see the Apostle Paul writing, wow. love is patient, love is kind. Wow. Because that's the eyes of love. When I'm looking up, then in the gap, and there's an environment that starts to change. That's so good. I, I love that thought. I, I love everything about this, Leif, and I'm so thankful that that God put this word and this revelation in your heart. I'm thankful that you wrote books on it. Um, it's it's changed the way I think. It's changed the way I the, the way that I lead. And uh, mm. I thank you for for your work. And for those of for those of you that are listening, um, I would highly encourage you uh, to to get this book, to get any of of Leif's books, but particularly the the Called to Reign or Healing the Orphan Heart and the Baptism of Love. Just amazing books that will change the way you lead. It'll change the way um, you go inward, but it'll also change the way that you go outward. Um, Leif, any parting words, anything you want to share to our listeners? Any, any, any last things you would want to share from your heart? No, I just uh, felt very clearly that I just had a leader that came to me, and he was dealing with an issue and some tension. I said that, do you operate in the love of law or the law of love? Mm. The orphans will have a love of law, while sons and daughters live by the law of love. Wow. Where When you love God, you love your neighbor as you love yourself, mm. there is freedom. And whom the Son sets free mm. is free indeed. And with the spirit of the Lordship, the, the spirit is Lord, there is liberty and there is freedom. So just sensing even to some of the leaders of different things that we maybe wrestle and struggling with, to even if that's in if that's in ministry, do we operate by the love of law yeah. or the law of love? And I feel that was a tipping point for this leader. He just told me mm. right before I came here, just talked about the transformation that has happened where there was tension in his staff and leadership. But when he got these different lenses, he is actually in the movie industry. Mm. And but the culture started to change wow. uh, where he rather have relationship than being right. Mm. And that's family. And then I thought one little, I was at Bethel Reading with my friend Bill Johnson. And I spoke a few years ago at their prophetic conference. And people can find that online. And the speaker before me was Sean Bowles, who's been a dear friend for years. And, and Sean, I mean, he hit some home runs and everything else. And somebody behind me whispered, says, Leif, you're going to have to follow that. And in a moment, I went from son to daughter. <laughs> How did that happen? Yep. I started to compare myself to somebody else. That's I good. started to compete. That's, so it, but I, I realized, oh, that's what's happening. And for five minutes, I had warfare. And I started to think about words of knowledge. Maybe somebody has a back problem. Maybe somebody in Bethel TV has a back problem. <laughs> you know, started, it's, it's, like, it's so silly when we try. Going to performance to, mode. 
performance mode yet, and we have tried to be a copy instead of an original, wow. instead of being you and being how God has intended you to be, being fully you. I bless you to be you. Mm. So I, I did repent. And then when I went off on stage, I said, wow, this is my brother, Sean. And wow, when his stock went, up, my stock went, up, because this is a family business. <laughs> That's good. And then how can I add value to what I honor? Wow. And if we can create that culture, honor is what love looks like. And it is beautiful now to start to see within staff, within leadership, that sums we suddenly start with a mutual submission and we start to honor one another. We celebrate one another instead of mm. tolerate one another. Mm. I just want to encourage leaders to explore this. And you're going to see there's going to be twice as much truth with half as much energy yes. when you're living from pleasure instead of pressure. Mm. That's so good. With, and it, you know, with social media these days, there's just a perpetual comparison. And I, I know you mentioned in your book, I, I, may, I may butcher it, but I know you mentioned this idea that orphans compare along these lines. Or orphans compare uh, because they're trying to compete, whereas sons yeah. and daughters are just, we're complete. So we operate out of being complete, not out of compete. So Wow. So that's that's so good. Listen, Leif, we're so thankful that uh, that you came on today. What's the, if somebody wants to get in touch with your ministry, or be be a blessing to your ministry, or be a part of your ministry, or just contact you in general? What's the best a website or something they can reach you at? Yeah, if they see my name, just Leif L E I S, and then Hetland H E T L A N D, or if they look at Global Mission Awareness, Global Mission Awareness. So both of those names, they can Google and they can find it. And they're also on Amazon. You can get audible books if you don't want to read. Mm -hmm. So we, we have it pretty much on every platform, some of the tools and some of the books. And actually, I have a new book that is called, called The Love Awakening that is going to come out with Destiny in March so people can watch Fantastic. out for that. I really do believe there's a tsunami wave of love that's going to bring in a billion new names, but not the billion orphans, but a billion sons wow. and daughters, but what God is restoring his family now so that we can be ready for this family, this incredible outpouring that is about to take mm. place. So I'm excited about that. <laughs> love it. Love it. Well, Leif, thank you again, my friend. Thanks for being on the show. And uh, we can't wait to have you on again someday. That'd be awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Well, listeners, thank you for, for tuning in today. Uh, we're praying for you as you lead, as you live out the call of God on your life. Uh, help us spread the word on this podcast. We love you. We're praying for you. Have an amazing day. Thank you for listening to the Church Intention Podcast. For more information, visit churchintention.com. The King's University is an accredited, spirit-empowered evangelical university in Southlake, Texas. To learn more, visit tku.edu.